Good morning. How are you? Good. It is good to see you. My name is Donnie. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to be sharing a message with you this morning. We're continuing our uh, series on the Christian atheist. And I just want to encourage you. I know a lot of you are in life group, and so we're all doing that together, and you're, you're studying this and together. But if you couldn't make it in a life group, or uh, maybe this is your first time here, and you, you don't know what we're talking about as far as the Christian atheist, it's a book that we're studying written by Craig Rochelle just a very biblical perspective of things. And it's got a lot of things in there like, you know, we say we believe in God, but we don't do this, this, and this. And so that's the things that we've been uh, talking about. So if, if you haven't read that book, and uh, you need to get that. I have several copies at the office. You can buy them from us. I got them all for $10 because we ordered a bunch. You probably can't find them that cheap anywhere. If you can, that's great. But if you'd like to have one, I've got a bunch at the office, and I would just encourage you to get this book and read it because they're just some awesome topics, I think, um, I was talking to somebody the other day when Cliff started. He said, there's, there's probably, with all the things we're going to talk about, there's not going to be a week where something just really doesn't smack you between the eyes. And I'm thinking, when is something not going to smack me between the eyes? I mean, it's been like every, every week, it's ouch, ouch, ouch. And uh, I'm suspecting that today is going to be the same for a lot of us, especially those of us who call ourselves Christians. Now, here's the good news. You're here and you're not a believer it's awesome. We're glad you're here. Hey, you're kind of off the hook a little bit today because we're really just going to be talking to those people who are already Christians. So you can kind of sit back and relax. But there's going to be some good news that you can hear too. But I just want to talk to the, those of us who are Christians and talk about the topic of we say we believe in God, but we don't share our faith or we don't witness. We don't tell others about Jesus. I can, I can hear it. Some of you are already squirming. You're getting a little antsy. To, to relieve the tension, here's what I want us to do, okay? just want you to turn to the person beside you, and for the next, oh, uh, ten minutes, um, just share your story with somebody. Okay, go. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me to do that. Where do I start? What do I say? Kind of, it kind of makes us a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? I don't know why, but that, just that whole idea that I'm going to take something that's so personal to me and try to, first of all, put it in words, and then put it in words where somebody might actually understand. It's a little intimidating for us sometimes, isn't it? And I think, if we're honest, we can, we can probably all kind of fit in this category. We say, as Christians, we say we believe in God, but the truth, a lot of times, is that we don't share our faith. We don't... Uh, we don't talk about God a lot in a, in a way. We talk about other things. You know, I can talk to you a lot about fishing. I can talk to strangers about fishing. I've talked to strangers. I've been places, and I've seen people wearing camo. And I've gone up to them and talked to them about deer hunting. I started the conversation just because they were wearing camouflage. I didn't know if they hunted or not. But I said, bet you hunt, don't you? Oh, yeah, man, we just got in this bed. I didn't even know the guy from Adam. We can talk to people about a lot of things, but when it comes to sharing our faith, there's something about it that I think kind of makes us a little uncomfortable. I think we, we get a little antsy a lot of times. Now, I realize there's some of you in here, you're probably just going gangbusters. I mean, you're waking up every day, and, you know, you've probably won a 1,000 people to the Lord already, and you just, you're witnessing on every time, every breath. Uh, anybody? Anybody? And I know, I know you do. I do. We all, I think we do it. In some ways, but I think we're probably real inconsistent and probably very unintentional about the way that we share our faith for a lot of different reasons. And so 
I just want to talk to you this morning uh, about that and, and uh, just kind of share some ideas with you and hopefully uh, some things will go off in your brain and, and it'll, it'll change maybe the way we think about some things and hopefully it will result in us really becoming more comfortable with talking about the God that we believe in because other people need to hear about that. Um, how many of you would agree, you can raise your hand if you've, you've read the Bible uh, any amount of all, how many of you would agree that the Bible does teach that we should share our faith and that we should witness to other people? All right? Would anybody say, no, that's not in the Bible, if you've read the Bible, it's not in the Bible and it's really not kind of what the Bible talks about? If you're a Christian, probably if you're not a Christian, you probably have this concept of knowing, if you know anything about the Bible, the Bible teaches that we're to be witnesses, that we're to share our faith, we're to talk about God and what, what Jesus has done for us. Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but I would ask you this question. How many of you have actually told somebody about Jesus in the last day? How many of you have told somebody about Jesus in the last week? How many of you have told somebody about Jesus in the last month? Or maybe it's been a year. I got a few more hands. You raised your hand. Hey, they raised their hands and I told them they didn't have to. Yeah, I'm getting in on this one. <laughs> How many of you are Christians and you've never shared your faith? You know, and that's not a guilt trip, but that's probably a reality. So here's what I want us to think about this morning. And here's some funny things that, that I, I read in the book that, that, that Cliff had gotten with at a conference, and I, I stole some of the titles from this book. It was about evangelism, about witnessing. These are pretty funny. Maybe you fit in one of these categories. You're kind of, you kind of like to witness. Maybe you fit in one of these categories. What you do is you wait until your coworker leaves and then you secretly sneak around and put some Christian propaganda on their desk before they get back. <laughs> Anybody do that? Maybe, um, maybe what you do is once a year around this time, instead of giving out Halloween candy, you put a witnessing track in the kid's bag when he comes to your door. You know, tell them, here, you know, you need this more. Maybe you do that. Here's the best one, though. There was a bunch of them. Here's the best one. Maybe you use the excuse because you want to be culturally relevant Maybe you use that as an excuse to watch the family guy. Anybody want to witness to that? Well, I just watch that because I want to be in tune with the culture. And I want to be able to have conversation with those who are watching the family guy. Nobody watches the family guy, I guess. I don't watch it, but I thought it was kind of funny. But my, there's a lot of categories you might, you might, you know, every once in a while, maybe, maybe you, you get hot and you get cold and something happens and for two days you're really excited about talking about Jesus and then it just kind of disappears and it fades away. But here's something that I believe. I've heard it said and I believe this, that most Christians are educated way beyond the level of our obedience. Let that sink in for just a second. Most Christians are educated way beyond the level of our obedience. Now, put it in country boy terms for me, it means that, you know, we just don't practice what we already know, right? I think that there are a lot of things in life that fall in this category. But the idea is that we really don't need more information to convince us that it's right. What we need to be able to do is take what we already know is there and act on it. We need to be able to do something we don't need. I ask you, how many of you agree that the Bible teaches that we should witness and share our faith? Well, I, you know, everybody in here probably, you raised your hand. It's not a matter of you being convinced of that. We don't need more scripture. We don't need another conference on this is why we should do it or this is, you know, this is what the Bible says. I think most of us would agree, yeah, that's in the Bible. It's, that's really not for grabs. 
So we have the education level. We have the knowledge of knowing what is right. But it's the application and the practice of and obeying what we already know. And I think this one, this one kind of falls in this category. Really, the whole book kind of falls in that category to me. You know, we talk about, we, we say we believe in God, but we don't pray. We say we believe in God, you know, but, but we don't give. We say we believe in God, but, you know, we still worry all the time. Or we, you know, fill in the blank for the things we've talked about and then the things you'll continue to read. A lot of it is not a matter of just having more information that we that we we need to have i mean all of you know that the bible says that if you love god that you give your pastoral staff a new car every two years you know that's in scripture right that's in what hesitations somewhere first hesitations that you mentioned a while ago right obviously that's not in there right the things that we talk about that we know is in the, are in the Bible. We have that education. We have the, the knowledge. We know that it's true. It's not up for grabs. We don't need to be convinced. It's a matter of, okay, now that we know that's true, what do we do to actually do something with that? What do we, need, what do, we do to actually obey that and, and do what God wants us uh, to do with that? And witnessing is, is in that category. So today's sermon, just a little, bit, a little bit different. And if you're here as the first time, I just want to tell you, I don't have a lot of scriptures this morning, so don't go away and say, oh, church, don't even, you know, preacher didn't even have but two scriptures, and they were at the end of the thing, and we didn't, didn't even talk about scripture. They don't believe in God's word. It's not the case. You're just kind of getting a snippet of today and what I'm going to do. And the reason that I'm not just going to bombard you with scripture is to make my point that I just made. I don't think we need convincing that the Bible says that we need to do it. I mean, I could put up a bunch of scripture. But it's not going to convince you if you already believe it's in the Bible that we need to be doing it. And if you honestly don't think the Bible says that, just, just find me afterwards. I can show you a bunch, a bunch of scriptures, seriously, to show you that the Bible says that. So today's sermon is not going to be just a bunch of scriptures to hopefully try and convince you the Bible says we are to witness. I think most of us are, pro- are already there. It's a matter of being obedient to what we already know and talking about that, and, 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 and being honest with it. I think it's, it's a great thing to be able to talk about, because it's one of those things we know we should do, but like a lot of things in the church, it's like, well, I know I should do it, but I don't want to, I don't want to admit that I'm not doing it, <laughs> because people will think I'm just a bad Christian. Well, you know, if you're not doing it, you're not doing it. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Why don't we tell more people? And again, I don't want to put you in a general category, because some of you may say, hey, you're not talking to me. I am, I'm on fire. I'm doing it all the time. And if you are, honestly... That is, that is awesome, and you need to grab some of us and kind of give us some pointers on, you know, how do you how do, you do that so easily because we, we need some help there, I think most of us do, even the preachers, okay? So I'm not talking as one who's got it together to you. I'm saying, hey, I'm in, I'm in this same boat with you. I struggle with the same things, I would say, that you do when it comes to witnessing to people. I struggle with the, with the fears of what are they going to think. I struggle with the fears of, uh, of not knowing what to say. I struggle with the fears of thinking, how are they going to think about me after I say something like this? Is this going to end the conversation? Is this going to ruin the possibility of a future relationship to continue to talk to them about God? I think we all struggle with a lot of the same things. But I just want to talk to you this morning about some reasons that I think that, that we probably that we don't share as often as we should about what's going on in our lives and what God's done for us. And you can read this chapter... Because he mentions a lot of good things, but I'm not just regurgitating what's in there. I've got some other ideas that I want to add on to that, but you can read that because he's got some, some good stuff in the book. But one of the main reasons that I think that we don't share is that we are selfish people. 
Tell you something else you don't already know, right? <laughs> Anybody not know that we're just a selfish people in general? We're selfish. We, we want things the way we want them. We, wanna, we get things, we want to hold on to them by and large. We're just kind of, a, in general, a, a selfish, uh, selfish people. Um, if you don't believe this, uh, how about this? Put a bunch of kids in a room. Throw a bunch of toys in there. And very often you will hear this foul four-letter word come out of those kids' mouths, and it starts with an M. What is it? <laughs> mine! That's mine! Right? How many times have you done that? It's mine! You don't, have any of you ever sat your child down when they started talking, started walking, you said, okay, listen, we need to have a conversation. You need to learn to be more selfish. When, you, when you're around other kids and there are toys available, you make sure and you tag as many as you can and you holler loudly, those are mine, and don't let anybody else touch them. Any of you had to do that? It comes kind of natural, doesn't it? It comes kind of natural for, for, for us as we become adults to do the same thing, doesn't it? We kind of grow up with that. It, we're, we're selfish by nature. We have this idea that, that this is mine. I'm going to hold on to this. I, I'm, I'm not going to share this with anybody. I want it all for myself. And a lot of times what happens is that our selfishness overrides our obedience. Think about that. Our selfishness overrides our obedience. Again, with kids, think about this. Have you ever given your children a rule like, you know, maybe they want candy. And it's, it's a favorite piece of candy that they love. And they say, can I have candy? Can I have candy? Can I have candy? Huh, huh, can I, can I, can I, huh, can I have candy? Can I have candy? Can I have candy? About eight million times into that, you finally get so frustrated, you decide, yes, you can have a piece of candy. But just how many pieces? Just one. You turn your back. You go in the other room. If that child is human and has half of an opportunity... He's going to get the one and stuff two or three in his hands and probably try to pack away a couple more in his pocket if they're available, right? But what was the rule? How many? One. Selfishness often overrides our obedience. We know what the rule is. We know what we should do or should not do. But our selfishness kicks in and it overrides and we can justify and we can make excuses and we can, we can do things to override the rule. Our selfishness oftentimes overrides that. So... Just as a, as a general rule, as, as people, we're, as humans, I think we're just selfish by nature. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be generous or that we're not generous at times. But just as a general rule, I think it's kind of natural for humans to be selfish. It's not right, but it's kind of a natural thing that we go through. And another reason that I know that I'm selfish when it comes to this particular area of my life about sharing my faith or telling other people, think about this. If you are a Christian... Somebody has told you about Jesus, right? I mean, did anybody ever come to know God here today? You were living in the caves somewhere. You had never had any contact with human beings, and, and nobody ever told you about Jesus. Probably hasn't happened. If you're a believer today, you are a believer not probably only because one person told you about Jesus, because all along your life until the point you actually accepted him, there were many people in your life that told you about Jesus. Would you agree? You can probably think of those people. You can probably, in your mind, think of some people that that happened with. So here's the what reason that I know I'm selfish. 
if I have that and I know somebody else gave it to me, told me so that I could believe, when I don't tell other people, that means I'm just wanting to hang on to it. Somebody else told me, why am I not telling somebody else? Well, because this is mine, right? I'm just going to hang on to this thing. I don't want to share it. So I, I know that I'm selfish. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit more uh, in a little bit, but I'll tell you, there, was, there were several people in my life that I can remember who told me about Jesus. Went to church as a kid, Sunday school teachers, and other people and family members and those kinds of things. And, but later on in my life, and I'll share this in just a little bit, but later on in my life, there was a specific person who walked into a grocery store that I was working in one day, and she invited me to come to church after having not been in church for years. And I went because she sang, and I've always liked music, and I went to hear her sing, and that morning I was convicted that God wanted to do something with me, and I went back that night, and that night I responded to God's call, and I'm sitting here before you today because somebody invited me to church. Did she know all that was going to happen? I don't think God revealed all that to her. And something happened with me years ago uh, when I had already gotten back into church with doing what God wanted me to do. We went to a Christian event one time. I forget what it was, but it was like a play or something that was outdoors. And I invited somebody to go. A couple of us were going, and I invited somebody else to come along. And she came to the event. Then it was over and life went on. I didn't see that girl for years. And I went back over to City View Baptist Church where I had received a scholarship to go to seminary from. And I went back to thank them for the money that they had allowed me to do, to, to have to be able to go to seminary. And the girl's name was Theresa, and Theresa was in the congregation. And Theresa came down to me after the service and she said, I never told you this. But you remember that event that you invited me to? I said, yeah, I remember we went. And she said, I don't know if you remember, but at the end of that event, they gave an invitation. She said, I never told you, but that night, I accepted the Lord. I had no idea. She had never told me that. I wasn't thinking, I mean, I wanted people to come, but I wasn't thinking, man, Teresa's coming tonight. God told me she's going to give her life to Christ. She's married, got a family. Her family's in that church now, which is just her life is completely different from the way that it was when I invited her to come to the event because her life was similar to the way mine was before I had been invited to come back to church. Isn't that awesome? So we're selfish when we don't tell somebody else. It's selfish to hold on to that. And just by nature, again, I think we're just kind of, we're just kind of selfish people. So, uh, and here's another reason that I know we're selfish. Do we need a whole lot of convincing? Are y'all, I'm pumping you up, right? You're just all, you're all excited about this. You're feeling good about yourself right now, right? Just turn to somebody and say, okay, I'm convinced that I'm selfish. Go ahead, just, you can tell them that. And you tell them, duh. <laughs> yeah, tell me something I don't know, right? So we're kind of selfish people, and here's another reason that I know we're selfish. Because this happens with me. When I think about, at times, sharing my faith with people, or I see somebody that I think that maybe God wants me to tell about, this is a lot of times what goes through my mind. I wonder if they're going to think I'm weird. Not only am I a preacher, which is qualification enough to be classified as weird, right? I mean, that's bad enough to start off with when people find out. That's why I usually don't like to tell them. 
Not only am I a preacher, but are they going to think I'm weird? Are they going to think I'm one of those Jesus freaks? You know, are they going to think that something is, you know, and I battle with that inside. And so I know I'm selfish because I'm concerned more about what they think of me than I am the fact that if they're lost, they're dying and spending an eternity in hell away from God for the rest of their life. And I think my ego shouldn't have that much power over me. So I know I'm selfish. When, when, when I battle with that, I know that I'm selfish. You know, are there times when I overcome that fear and I'll go ahead and, and do it anyway? Yes. Are there times when I give in to that and I find excuses or reasons to why there's some, maybe, no, maybe, maybe. God, are you really wanting me to tell them about you? Well, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> you know, you don't need to spend a whole lot of time praying about that one, do we? So I give in to that sometimes and I don't tell people about Jesus because of that. So those are things and indicators in my life that I, I know I'm selfish. I don't, I've, somebody told me, but I'm not willing to tell somebody else. And I just kind of hang on to that and, and I, I'm more worried about what people might think about us. Okay, so that's a selfish. Now, now here, here's the second point, and this is a big one. So I want you, I want you to tune in. I can tell you're, you're, you're tuned in, but I want you to really grab a hold of this one. This is a big one. A lot of times I think we don't tell people about Jesus because we think that the power in a testimony has something to do with us. That sink in for just a second. We think that somehow the excitement and the interesting thing about a testimony has got to do something with us or our circumstances. In other words, we think we've had to be really bad in order to make Jesus look good. Well, I can't tell. I mean, my life's not that exciting. I mean, you know, I just grew up in a church. Family went to church. Went to church most of my life. Kind of run away from God for a little bit, but then ended up really giving my life to Him. And now in church. My family's in church. Oh, that's just kind of boring, isn't it? I think sometimes that's the way we think. We think that we have to have had a really, 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 really bad past in order for people to be interested that God has delivered us from that. Now, I'm not taking away from those of you who have a testimony like that because there's a place for that and you're who you are and God's dealt with you. But we think that, you know, well, I, I don't have any addictions. I never killed anybody. I've not ever been in prison. You know, I'm not fathered 20 children out of wedlock, and, you know, now I'm on the straight and now. But we think that we have to have this really horrible, horrible, horrible past in order to make Jesus look good. But here's the thing. The power in a testimony is Jesus and His sacrifice for us. Isn't it? Isn't that the power of a testimony? The power of a testimony is not the circumstances from which you've been delivered. That's not the power in a testimony. The power in a testimony is that Jesus has saved us. And it's not the circumstances that are the big deal. The real thing that we've been delivered from is sin. And sin displays itself in our lives in a lot of different ways. And sin for some people could mean that it resulted in addictions and abuse and all of these things that we categorize as big things. But sin is sin in God's eyes. And the problem is not that Jesus needed to come and save us because we were addicted to drugs. Jesus didn't have to come and die on the cross and save us because we beat our wives. Jesus didn't have to come and save us because we're a thief or we're a liar or that we're an adulterer. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross to save us from those circumstances. Jesus died on the cross because those things have resulted 
or a result of sin in our life. And Jesus had to come and die on the cross because we're sinful people. And he delivered us from that sin. So I think that we think somehow that, that, that our testimony is not that great because we don't have any big problems in our life. You know, we really got to be messed up in order to make Jesus look good. So it bothers me, just a little personal note here, it bothers me when I hear Christians say, well, you know, I really don't have that exciting of a testimony. Are you kidding me? You don't have that exciting of a testimony? Were you not dead in your sins and apart from God without any hope of reconciliation, regardless of what your circumstances were? Were, were, you, not, um, were you not able... To know that there is someone who died and paid the penalty of that sin to forgive you so that you could have eternal life with God? Are you not, do you not know that, that because Jesus died on the cross and you trusted Him with your life, that He gave you the right to be called children of God, that your debt was paid and now you're a child of God? You don't have an exciting testimony. Are you kidding me? And what we mean is, well, I really haven't been that bad. Sin is sin. One little sin, one big sin. Jesus died for them all, and it's that sin in general that kept us from God. That's why we need a Savior. That is a powerful testimony. Now, again, not making light of those of you who have that part of your life because uh, you can use your circumstances to probably reach people who are in similar circumstances with you. But somehow we've been led to believe if we don't have this powerful, you know, and I've heard people, and I don't like this either, I've heard people who have had some bad past, really bad past, and they spend more time talking about all the stuff they've done wrong, and then they get to the end and they give Jesus about 15 seconds of it, and then Jesus saved me and life's good. Okay, well, what you've just done is glorified all the stuff that you used to do. You know, there's, there's a balance of, okay, hey, yeah, I used to do that too. But let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life. So I think that we need to get over the fact that somehow or another that we need all this stuff to happen and that we don't have a powerful testimony. If you really believe you don't have a powerful testimony, I'm not sure you understand the power of Jesus dying on the cross, being put in the grave, and the power of the resurrection and to be raised to life so that we could live with Him. That is the power of a testimony. So if you're a believer, you have a powerful testimony, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. And that is the idea of telling the good news. It's not telling the good news of Donnie. <laughs> I'm going to share with you my good news. My good news. People don't want to hear my good news other than if my good news is the good news that I've accepted Jesus and it's His good news that makes me alive. It's Him. It's the power in Him. And I think... Um, I think we just, need, we just need to get over that. So uh, those, are, those are things that, that we really, really need to understand. And I think that will, maybe that will help us. I hope today that, that you kind of sit here. Maybe I, ho I hope, although I don't like it, I hope you say it. I really don't have that exciting of a testimony. And that you reevaluate what that means and that you understand how powerful your testimony is because it's the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what's powerful. I hope that some of you have sat here today and you said, you know what, I never thought about it, but it is really pretty selfish, isn't it? Not to tell other people about this wonderful thing we say that we have. How can you keep this, how can you keep this to yourself? When we go deer hunting and, and my boys uh, kill a deer or I shoot a deer or something, man, 
I pick up the phone. I'm telling it. Oh, we dance around. Get all, get all excited and lose our microphones and all kinds of stuff. Don't you do that kind of stuff with other things? So, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to know that, that, that God loves us and he wants us to tell about him. Now, now here, here's two scriptures, and I could give you a bunch. And these scriptures aren't necessarily exactly, well, one of them is specifically about witnessing. But here, here's two, just two practical things. I know I should have three, but I only have two for the practical things, okay? Here's what I think. Philippians 2.13. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. We've got that on the screen for you. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me confess something else to you. I have a, a bigger Bible. And the words in it are bigger. And I left that one at my office when I come home. And this morning I realized I left that Bible at my office. And I didn't want to go back over to the office. And I had this Bible at the house. I said, shoot, man, I'll just grab that Bible. I used to read that one all the time. This was a gift to me from my family when we hadn't been here very long on, on my birthday. Uh, in 2005. I didn't have any problem at all reading this in 2005. <laughs> it's amazing what five years will do to you. So I've got a Bible and I read the Bible. I'm reading it off the screen for you. And I could, I could have not told you that. I could have done this and looked right over the top of it. But we value authenticity here. And I wanted to share that with you. So this is Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, if you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Here's verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I've used this scripture a bunch. I may use it in some shape or every time I preach because here's the idea you don't have to leave today and think that somehow within yourself you've got to conjure up some kind of courage to be able to tell others about Jesus our prayer should be God you even give me the will to want to do the things you want to do would you instill in me the desire to tell other people about you it's you who works in me not only to act but it says to will God, it's you who gives me the desire to tell other people about Jesus. So if, you, if this one kind of smacks you upside the head today and you know that you really don't tell people about Jesus and you are a believer, I would start by praying this prayer every day. God, give me your desire to tell people about you. Because you're not going to conjure it up on your own. If you do, it's, going, it's not going to be very good. So pray that. And here's, here's the other thing that's, that's really important. It's John 9, 25. And just, here's the other, other thing. Just tell your story. It sounds so simple. Just tell your story. Now, this is not the complete story in John, but if you go back and read that, you'll, you'll know, and you may know it if you've read it, that, that there was a blind man, and Jesus healed him. And all the religious leaders were giving him a hard time, wanting to find, trying to get Jesus in trouble, and they were trying to, you know, get him to say things about Jesus so they could get, get Jesus in trouble. And they're just, they're just really hounding him. Who is this? Who done this? Is this guy this? And so you can read the whole chapter. So they're really trying to give him a hard time. And this is the guy's reply 
to those people who were trying to get Jesus in trouble. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. There's one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. How can you argue with that? How is that not powerful? It's your story. Who cares if anybody believes it or not? You know. The Bible tells us that we have a witness within us to know that we are children of God. You know it's your story. Tell it. It don't matter if people want to dispute it. It doesn't matter if it seems unbelievable. It doesn't matter if people don't, don't believe you. It's your story. I don't know. Hey, you're asking me all these questions. I don't know how that happened. I don't know this. I don't know. I don't know. This is what I know. I know that I was a sinner. And apart from Jesus Christ, I was dead in my tracks with no possible way of getting to God. And I know that there was the one day that I invited Jesus to come into my life and He entered into my life and gave me a joy that I'd never known before then and it's helped me all along the way. And I don't know all this other stuff you're asking, but I do know this. I was a sinner, but now I'm not. And God is a wonderful God, no matter what your circumstances are. That's our story. Now, you fill in the blank. And I'll just tell you, and I'll close with just a, a, a part of, of my story. And I don't know uh, how many times I've ever shared this with you guys. But, you know, I grew up in, a, in mom and dad went to church, and we went pretty regular. At the age of nine years old, I believe that I talked to a pastor and asked Jesus to come into my heart. I believe as best as a nine-year-old could understand all the stuff that we try to figure out, that I, I genuinely meant that and was soon baptized, and I believe it was that day that the Bible says that the heavens threw a party, and they celebrated because another lost person had come to Jesus. And I think that is, that is the day that, that God entered into my life and I became a Christian. Now, I, do, I know this, and it's maybe a lot of similar to your stories. It wasn't long after that that we kind of quit going to church, and I didn't drive, so I couldn't go on my own at nine years old. I kind of faded out of the scene for a while. We didn't go to church, and about 12 years old, a bus used to come around to the house and pick up kids who wanted to go play basketball at Laurel Baptist Church, right around the corner from my house. I'd get on that bus, and I'd go to Sunday school because if you wanted to play basketball, you had to go to church. Not only once, you had to show up at least three times out of four to be able on the team. So I made sure I met my requirement, and I'd hop on that little bus, and we'd have fun, and I'd go to church and Sunday school and consciously wasn't thinking about a whole lot other than this is going to be nice to be able to play basketball. And I played basketball. And I had a coach on the basketball team. And uh, they would talk to me about Jesus and I didn't just say, hey, I'm already a believer, you know. They talked to me like I didn't believe because I acted like I didn't believe. <laughs> and so they would talk to me every now and then in a good way and we, we were friends. We, we built a friendship. And as things progressed, I played basketball for a few years, few years, dropped out of school again, probably about the age of 15, those great teenage years, and uh, just did not consciously do anything to live for God. wasn't consciously on my mind. I'd done stuff that I shouldn't do and lived kind of a, a life that I shouldn't have lived looking back on it, but consciously, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just kind of going with the flow and doing what teenagers are supposed to do. Not, right? Well, one day I was working at Winn-Dixie. I used to cut meat, and I was working at Winn-Dixie over there on Pelham Road. They'd opened a new store, and I had opened that store up and was in the meat department. One day this girl come walking down the aisle, and it was Robin. And Robin was, at the time I was playing basketball, the girlfriend of the coach, but they had since gotten married. Her and Mark had gotten married. And um, 
she sang, beautiful voice, and she said, where are you going to church? I hadn't seen them in a while. I said, well, I'm not going to church anyway. She said, well, I'm singing Sunday, and, and she was singing at a little church that used to be called Cornerstone over by Gore's Corvette World on Lawrence Road. We met there. And um, she said, why don't you come hear me sing? And I said, uh, okay, I hadn't heard you sing in a while. I'd love to come hear you sing. I wasn't thinking about going to church for going to church. I was thinking about going to hear somebody sing. Still, I'm not, I'm not getting all this information about, you know, I'm going to church, going to worship God. I'm thinking, she's got a nice voice. I want to hear her sing. So I went that morning, sat there in that pew. God convicted me, something awful. I didn't know anybody in that church but her and him. And God was just, let, just convicted me in such a way. I just felt like he was saying, hey, it's time for you to get serious about me. You've got to get on the right road. You're not living the way that I want you to. And, you know, the white knuckle syndrome. I'm holding on to the pew while the preacher's preaching. Don't remember a word he said. Don't remember what scripture he was using. But I'm thinking, man, this is really hurting me. I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> They gave the invitation. I turned around and walked toward the back door. <laughs> I walked down the aisle, but it was the opposite direction. <laughs> Her husband, Mark, grabbed me and said, why don't you come back tonight? We're having, I forget what they were having, but they were having something. And I thought consciously in my mind, okay, I said yes to her. I'll say yes to him. We'll get this over. I'll get back to living my life and things will be cool. Went back that night. Same doggone thing. Wouldn't you know it? The preacher's preaching, I'm just all tore up back there sitting, don't know anybody but him and her. I'm not even sitting with them. I don't remember sitting with them. I'm sitting way back in the back somewhere, you know, like y'all like to do when y'all come. Get here early if you want a back seat. <laughs> so, not, not to drag it out, but, but, but to realize that that night, I felt the same thing. God saying to me, I got something I want you to do. I didn't know what it was. I, he just said, you're not living the way that I want to. They gave an invitation. I walked the other direction this time. Went down, talked to a preacher that I never knew, had never met, and said, God's wanting to do something with me. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying yes. Quit my job. Went from full-time to part-time working at Winn-Dixie to working at Bilo. Make a sense of humor. I was making $5.35 an hour full-time at Winn-Dixie. When I switched and went to Bilo, I was working part-time, and they paid me $7 an hour to work. And I just said, God, that's just awesome. You know, I hardly didn't lose any income at all. I had part-time hours. It was awesome. From that, enrolled in school. Nobody in my family ever been to college. Didn't know it. Just... You know, I can tell you more and more and more about how God has continued to be with me and how he made all that happen for me. But like I said, had Robin not invited me to come to church, I don't know what God would have done or if he would have used somebody else, but he used her. And she was obedient to him, and she invited me to church, and I wouldn't be standing here. And I talked to Robin just the other day. Hadn't seen her in 15 years probably. Some of you will be glad to know I used Facebook. I'm not planning on using it all the time as of right now, so if you sent me a friend request and I haven't responded, don't get your feelings hurt. I'm just, doing, I'm just denying everybody. <laughs> but let me tell you, I got a hold of Robin. I invited her to come today. But she couldn't because she's in a church and singing on the praise team this morning. They're in a church with three services, and I don't know which church yet. But, um, but she sent me this note back, and she said, I appreciate you letting me know about that. Of course, she knew. But she said, thanks for reminding me about that day 
because sometimes I feel inferior in my faith. And it's awesome to know something as simple as me inviting you to church has resulted in what God is doing in your life. Isn't that awesome? So I just want to challenge you today. I don't want to put a guilt trip on you because that won't last very long. But I want us to, to really grab a hold of the power that we have in the testimony through Jesus Christ and to get over our selfishness and to get over the fact that we think we've, got to have, we've had to have been bad and just realize that it's just a matter of telling your story. Just tell it. You don't have to tell it all every time. Maybe you pick bits and pieces. But the thing that people need to hear is that there's a God who loved them enough that he sent his only son to die in their place. And it doesn't matter their circumstances. The same God who changed my life has extended the grace to them to change theirs. People need to hear that. Who's going to tell it? The people who don't have it can't tell. We've got to, those of us who have it are the ones who have to tell. So I challenge you, pray that prayer, God, give me the will, give me the desire. And you look this week, look today for opportunities you have to tell people about Jesus, to invite them to church. Oh, it's just church. I'm just going to invite them to church. Man, you never know what God's going to do in their life if they just come to church. Who knows what God's got in store? It's just an event. I'm not going to invite them to an event. It's just a, it's just a, a CD with some, some godly lyrics on it. I, you know, I, I, what's, what's the big deal about giving them a CD? What's the, what's the big deal about putting a link on my Facebook to a, a website that has information that somebody might be able to know something about God? What's the big deal? You never know how God's going to use what we do when He uses us to tell others about Him. Pray with me. God, uh, as we've talked about this this morning, I think it's really important in, in a lot of ways to understand it's not really even our testimony. It's your testimony. And we just happen to be a part of it. It's, it's your story of providing redemption and grace and love to people who never deserved it. And really the only part we have in that is to be able to say that, that we've experienced it not about us it's not about how bad we've been it's just about your grace and god there are so many people who need to hear that people need to hear that that you love them that if their life is just so messed up it's not best for them but it's okay you still love them so lord i pray for me and for those who you've already heard from this morning as you've resonated in their hearts that you just give us the desire not guilt not anger, not manipulation, not just for chalking another one up on the books, but just a genuine desire to love people as you have loved us and to be able to tell our story of how your story is intersected with ours. Thank you for that. We look forward to how you challenge us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.